0: Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It is now the 19th day of November. 2016, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California. The birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. You know, I, I mentioned something the other day that got a response from a Tiger fan. And the thing that I, that I mentioned was the fact that the recent success of both the Red Sox and the Giants... Have meant, and also the St. Louis Cardinals, have meant that there have been entire world championship seasons that kind of fall into the, oh yeah, that one too category. Yankee fans certainly had that in the 90s. And I'm sure, other than the Warden World Championship that the Braves won, I'm sure a lot of their trips to the postseason kind of blur together after a while. I was bringing up the fact that the 2006 world championship for the Cardinals was forgotten by a Cardinal fan friend that I had talked to, who was waxing poetically about the 2011, and at one point he even said, that was our first title since 82. I said, really? Tell that to the 06 team. Red Sox fans admit it. 07 was a lot of fun, it was great, but there's no way that's our favorite world championship. And Giant fans in 2012, you know, that was a wonderful ride, a wonderful, terrific year, but Every Giant fan that I know, their favorite championship is either the first year or in 2010, which it was Lincecum who led the way. Lincecum is still as beloved a Giant as there is, even though he hasn't been a Giant for over a year. And 2014, because of the amazing performance by Baumgartner, the home run by Ishikawa, and the classic Game 7 of the World Series. So you have entire titles that, you know what, could have been forgotten. They're there, they're there as resume patterns more than anything else in the world. And I have a feeling, call me crazy, that may very well happen with the Cubs if they start winning a bunch of titles. But I digress. The thing that I'm thinking about that 2012 title, because it was so close to not happening for the Giants they were almost swept by the Cincinnati Reds remember it went 2-3 that year it was for the division series it was two games in the one city and then three games in the next, in the other instead of 2-2-1 two, two, because that was the first year they experimented with the wild card game and so they lost the first two games at home to Cincinnati went back to Cincinnati and the Reds lost all three games at home including an extra inning game and a game where they had the winning run at the plate in the bottom of the ninth. Giants held on, and I gave my division series MVP to Sergio Romo because of the way he held on to those final games in Cincy. There was a, I've mentioned this before, but in the bottom of the ninth, I believe it was game four, may have been game three, I can't remember off the top of my head, why do I have to remember things at the top of my head? I don't have to rely on my memory. I do that because I'm an e- absolutely raging abs- bananas egotist that I can do some of this from memory, but I can go to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. Let's go to postseason, shall we? Let's scroll down to 2012, shall we? Let's click on the National League Division Series, shall we? And then we, the extra in game was Game 3. That's right. Game four was a blowout. Eight three Giants. And the Giants won the final game six to four. They were runners on base. But let's go to that game three, shall we? Reds were up two bagel. First two games. The first game was kind of boring, five to two. Then the Giants were blown out nine-nothing. And there was all the sort of, well, you know, it was nice. You know, they won the World Series in 2010. It's nice. They went back to the postseason, but they're getting their butts kicked. After the nine-nothing blowout. Jay Bruce singled home a run in the first, and the good folks of Cincinnati thought, all right, this is it. We're going to win. We're going to advance to the league championship series. Uh, It was 1-1 going into the bottom of the ninth, and Scott Rowland was facing Sergio Romo, and Scott Rowland, he wound up hitting a foul fly ball to left field, but at one point he hit a drive deep to left field that hooked foul. If that stayed fair, the Reds would have won. And you would have had the Reds versus the Cardinals in the National League Championship Series. Remember, the Cardinals pulled off the stunning upset of the Washington Nationals, who collapsed in the ninth inning. If that happened, I do think the Reds would have gone on to the World Series And probably, well, it would have been an interesting matchup had they played the Cincinnati, the Reds had played the Detroit Tigers. But if they had won, a lot of things would be different in Cincinnati. This run that the team had with players like Jay Bruce, like Joey Votto, like Johnny Cueto, like Brandon Phillips, would be remembered as an all-time great beloved Reds team. If they had won Dusty Baker... Would be rehearsing his Hall of Fame speech now. Now, he could still win his way into the Hall of Fame if he wins a championship in Washington, but I digress. 2012 wasn't that long ago. Unless <clears throat> we forget, the Reds were a wildcard team in 2013. And since then, man, have they become an afterthought. A team that was one foul ball, not hooking away from going to the NLCS and maybe putting together a team that would be beloved by Cincinnati fans from this day forth instead is a team that made the playoffs a couple of times but will never be remembered and has now been taken apart. And so we go into this offseason, and for some reason Price is still the manager of the Reds, 14, 15, 16, Now, I'm not saying it was his fault, but it's tough to be jumping up and down about a manager who inherited a team that qualified for the postseason three out of the previous four seasons and immediately went into super-duper rebuilding mold. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, there's a certain amount that I look at and go like, wow, they got pretty crappy under his watch. And he's going to get his fourth year as manager. We'll see how it works out, and who knows. They actually had a halfway decent second half of the season this year, uh, in, in 2016. Now, the National League seems to have its designated contenders. The Cubs, the Dodgers, the Nationals are all going to contend next year, too. And some combination of the Giants, the Mets, the Cardinals will be in the mix, And perhaps the Pittsburgh Pirates. I hope they are. I like the Pirates. Maybe you'll see a surprise team. Maybe the Marlins will crash the party. Maybe they won't, and it'll be a hell of a lot harder to see what will happen. I mean, what's going to happen to the Marlins after the the tragedy of Jose Fernandez? It's going to be difficult to see what's going to happen to that team. But will a team crash the party? Will a team become a surprise contender? Will it be the Reds? I really doubt it. I doubt it because they would have to turn things around so fast that so many of the young players that they've been stockpiling would have to come of age simultaneously. Now, we've seen that happen. That has happened. It happened with the Nationals in 2012. It happened with the A's in 2012. It happened with the Houston Astros in 2015. It, you can see a team just all of a sudden the young talent like, well, no one's expecting us to do piddly-poo, and off we go. It's possible. I think it's a lot easier to do in the American League because you don't have the super teams. If the Pirates have a good year in 2017... Then think of all those in division games that the Reds are gonna to have to play against the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Pirates. Look at their ass kicked. So they're gonna go through another rebuild. And you're starting to see that over the last few years, some of the players who have been, you know, shipped off to sea: Todd Frazier, Johnny Cueto, Aroldis Chapman, who's an asshole, Jay Bruce. Mike Leak, have all been players who have been sent on their merry way. Now, Brandon Phillips is still there. Homer Bailey is still there. Now, this is Brandon Phillips' final year, and this could be another case of if a team has an injury in their middle infield, Brandon Phillips, while not an all-star the way he was a few years ago, still a capable player. If Devin Masaracal can come back, they still have players who could be Interesting trade chips. But you'll see that when they have traded away all the players that I had mentioned above them, they brought in the likes of Delson Herrera and Brandon Finnegan and Adam Duval and Jose uh, Peraza and, and, and Anthony Discofani. They've brought in a bunch of young players to the team. They have a influx of young talent. They also have Billy Hamilton who reminds me of Vince Coleman that he's a guy whose speed is so overwhelming and an absolute um, weapon, but you know can't get on enough to become a full weapon in that way. It'd be great if they could get on base a little more than he does. And they still have, they have some gigantic holes in their pitching staff, and they have young talent on their team. You know, they, the Blake Woods of the world, the Alejandro Shashins of the world are in their system. But they're probably not ready. And it means that means whoever is not nailed down will probably be traded away. And the fact of the matter is this. It's not a bad strategy for the Reds if they keep bringing in and keep shoving as many young, talented players on their team and they draft well. I have no idea if Brian Price is going to hold it together. Hell, Terry Collins is a manager that I thought was absolutely worthless as a man and he led eventually got the Mets to the World Series. Was it because of him or in spite of him? I don't know. But here we are. The Cincinnati Reds are in that weird holding pattern. Now, if all the talent clicks at the same time, and the Cardinals take a step back, and the Pirates continue to take a step back, and the Mets have a step back, and the Giants get old, and the Dodgers get hurt. I mean, there's a, the, the number of things in that National League that have to click to make the Reds a contender is kind of staggering. And I frankly don't see it happening. I don't. But in the midst of this team, they have a player who's under contract who I hope they freaking keep. I hope Joey Votto, who has a huge contract and it's backloaded, and if they're going to have to trade him, they're going to have to eat a lot of his contract. And quite frankly, I don't believe whomever they get for Joey Votto is going to match his offensive production. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite players in baseball. He's a guy who's won an MVP, a guy who's a lifelong Red, and should be beloved. I hope more and more Reds fans realize what they have in Joey Votto, and that is he is a wonderful player who, if he keeps this up, I don't know. Could we be whispering Hall of Fame? There are some Hall of Fame candidates who sneak up on you. Adrian Beltre snuck up on me. Carlos Beltran snuck up on me. I do believe that those two players are Hall of Famers based upon the fact that they are damn good and their longevity caught me off guard. Joey Votto is one of the best offensive weapons in baseball. He's not the prodigious home run hitter that people want him to be, the prodigious number three hitter that people want him to be, and this, that, and the other thing. What he should be, and I will go down swinging like crazy, he should be, repeating this over and over and over again, he should be the best leadoff hitter in baseball. He has all the equipment To be the best leadoff hitter in baseball because he gets on base more than anybody. Nobody gets on base better than Joey Votto. And when you are the best at getting on base, then what you should do, especially on a young team, is you should be getting the most at-bats, which is what the leadoff hitter gets. And when you have a team that is filled with young talent, to have the stable veteran getting the most at-bats and showing them what to do is exactly the strategy that the Reds should have in order to rebuild, which is, hey, look at how this guy's playing the game. He's going to lead off the game. Everyone watch him. Watch what he does. You know, I was talking about the idea of you know, trading Mike Trout and how absurd that is because you're not going to get the value. You're not going to get the best on-base percentage guy in the league in any trade. It's really easy to find a first baseman. Is it really easy to find someone who produces like him? When you have young hitters learning it and trying to get, to make their mark, doesn't it make their life better, their life easier? If when they're hitting, there's someone on base, someone on base for them to drive in, someone on base for them that will be catching the eye of the the pitcher? And to have it be their big star? I mean, how often does Votto lead off? I'm going to go back to baseballreference.com. So here we go. We're going to go. I'm going to Cincinnati. You know, they have several players who have played Ten-plus years of the team, Homer Bailey, Brandon Phillips, players who you can identify as Reds who are going to start this upcoming season as the, as the Cincinnati Red, And Joey Votto is about to start his, his 10th full season with the Reds. He played a little bit in 2007. He was a Rookie of the Year runner-up in 2008. Okay, I'm going to go to his game logs here. Let's go to the game logs and see how often he batted the leadoff. And let's see this. Where did he bat in the lineup? Do they list that here? I'm sure they do somewhere. Played first base. See, where did he, Do they show? Let me check out his splits. Okay. I've got the, I've got the, uh, I've got the answer here. Do you know how many games that he, he batted, lead off. Do you have any? Zero. Zero. Zero times leading off. Now, I'm going to go, but I'm still in his splits. Here's his numbers leading off an inning. When he's, when he's leading off an inning, do you like batting average? His batting average was 350. You like on-base percentage? It's 420. If you like that number, go to Colorado. His slugging percentage leading off an inning was 593. That's an OPS of 1.014 in the thousands on the OPS. There you go. Leading off an inning. That inning he should be leading off should be the first. He didn't lead off one game last year. Not one damn game. Let's go to the previous year, shall we? Let's go to the previous year. Let's go to 2015. How many games did he lead off in 2015? How many do you think... How many games do you think he let off? I'll give you a hint. It's less than one. It's zero. Okay, let's go to 2014, huh? 2014. How many times did he lead off in 2014? Are you ready? A drum roll, please? Do you know how many times he let off? How many times did he let off? None. None times. How about the last time they were a good team? 2013. Did he do it then? Did anyone think of this? Am I am I a a pioneer? Am I Lewis and freaking Clark here? Last time they went to the postseason, season, won a wildcard spot 2013. ah oh, look at that. Never. That would be never. Oh, how did he do leading off and inning there? Um, OPS of 964. That's not bad. Oh, wait. That's terrific. What is going on here? Seriously. Why, why am I making this plea again? What is, are the Reds doing so well? That they, that they like, oh, you know, you, then why mess with a thing that doesn't, why mess if it's not broken? Have him lead off the damn game. Give him the most at-bats. You know, the Reds are not going to be good. But they could build on that. This is not rocket science. Who gets the most at-bats? The leadoff hitter does. Who gets on if you have the most at-bats and you make the fewest outs? And you're rebuilding? That's not a bad foundation. Joey Votto should be looking at his Hall of Fame candidacy, whether or not he's there or not, as one of the great leadoff men of all time. But unfortunately, we'll never find out. Think about this. How good do you think I would be playing James Bond? Your pal, Sully. You have Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, who, by the way, was an underrated James Bond. He's a really good James Bond in the movie The Living Daylights, which is one of my favorite Bond films. He's really good in that. People weren't ready for a more serious Bond because they were so used to Roger Moore. But get, and, and License to Kill was kind of a crap a revenge movie. wasn't a Bond film. But Timothy Dalton in uh, Living Daylights, really good Bond, just saying. Uh, Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig. Paul Francis Sullivan, your pal Sully. Bond. James Bond. We'll never find out. Do you why? Because they ain't casting me. They ain't casting a, a, a stocky Irish-Italian kid from the from New England with a beard and a northeastern accent to play freaking James Bond. Okay? I'm not qualified to play James Bond. I'm smolderingly handsome, but not in a James Bond kind of way. So we'll never find out if I you know what level of bond I would be. Okay? I'm not even gonna get a Lazenby. I'm not even gonna get it a one-off, okay? We'll never find out what level of bond I would be. But do you know what? We shouldn't treat Joey Votto and the leadoff spot the same way they would treat me playing 007. We need to find out. Can we find out? Can we give it a shot? In a year where they're not, you know what? If the Reds contend, I'll be stunned. I'd like the Reds to get there because I like Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a wonderful city and it's a team with a fabulous baseball tradition. And I would like, and when the Reds got really good again, I was hoping that they would do really well. And also because I, I like Dusty Baker. And they have players who I really dug on the Reds. I thought it would be good for baseball to see a revival in Cincinnati. But that revival never came to fruition because the Phillies kicked their ass in 2010 and they crapped the bed in 2012. And they lost to the Pirates in the wild card game in 2013 haven't been relevant ever since. So they're not going to contend unless it's startling, unless a startling upset happens. So let's find out. Hey, you know, Billy Hamilton should be leading off. Why? Because he's fast. Well, whoop-de-damn-do. flip boo Carl Lewis is fast. Should we bat him lead off? Come on. The lead off spot should go to the person who makes the fewest outs. That's Joey Votto. He's the best in the game at that. Do you know who he is? Going back to the 007 thing. Clive Owen. you know Clive Owen? Great actor. You ever see Children of Men? He is a great actor, really good-looking dude, really good-looking dude, really good actor. The camera is in love with this dude, and he can act. He, He was in that film Inside Man with Denzel Washington, and he's so good that he could be an absolutely terrifying villain with a mask on almost the entire movie. And you're like, wow, in his prime. That dude should have been James Bond. He had every quality you would ever want in James Bond. That guy should have been Bond big time. And he never was Bond. Now, whether or not they offered it to him or not, I've heard rumors that he was offered it, didn't want to play it or whatever it is. But we will never find out what kind of Bond that Clive Owen would have been. And I think he would have been an amazing James Bond. Don't. Treat Joey Votto that way. Don't have us look at his career and go, man, he could have been a great leadoff hitter. Yeah, but he wasn't fast. I like fast people at the top. I'll hit you with this snow shovel if you say that. What do the Reds have to lose? Bat him leadoff. What do they have to lose? I don't know, more games? More fans? I'm not saying putting it at the top will win them the division. But maybe point at the top is you're saying, hey, wait a minute. You're the best possibly in the game at this. So why don't you do that? Just a thought. Daniel Craig was a really good pond. I felt bad for George Lazabe. They threw him in the deep end. You know? He 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 should have built up to it. Anyway. So I wanted to talk about the Cincinnati Reds. Instead, I had to explain to you why I don't play James freaking Bond. It made sense to me. It would also make sense to me doing a podcast every single day. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, so iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. For the 19th day of November 2016, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.